0: This is episode 47 of The Popcast.
1: Hello, welcome to The Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments.
0: First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event, And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Welcome back, everybody. Maureen, how are you this week? I'm great, honey. How are you? I'm doing well. Maureen, you know this, but our listeners do not. I've become somewhat of an electrician the past couple days.
1: He certainly has, everybody.
0: So we had a problem with our air conditioner, and I decided to try to fix it myself. Instead of hiring someone, and what happened, Maureen? What happened? Did I did I put a hole in the wall that didn't came, need to be there? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I did. Well, I came home and he
1: was like sawing the wall, like the drywall. A saw was sticking out of the drywall, and Josh was like gleefully like looking at me, and I was like, "This, you know what? Honestly, you guys, what I thought was it's okay. The it's only money. Like if we need to fix this, we'll just. It's just a little bit of money. Everyone's going to be healthy and safe, and that's what really
0: matters. Well, how in come this you world? didn't think? Wow, my husband is really trying his hardest here. That wasn't your first no, thought? Your I, first thought was money will fix I did think that, but a this. saw
1: was sticking out of the wall. I did. I was very proud of you, and you were able to put everything back, so far as I can tell. Minus one little screw, so.
0: Yeah. Well, what happened was is that basically I was going to replace the thermostat, which I thought was broken, It turns out that in order to install a smart thermostat, basically one that you can control from your Amazon devices or your Google devices or your phone, you need to have a special power source into the back of the thermostat and then into your AC unit. And I could find it in the thermostat. I installed that part properly, but I could not find it on our old AC unit. And so I spent like an hour and a half just looking at it, trying to look at the diagrams of the uh, wiring. And and finally, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the old one. And then I discovered that the problem after all was that there were some wires that were disconnected on accident in the original thermostat. So, you know, one hole in the wall later that doesn't need to be there. And we're back to the old thermostat that works now. Yeah, so so
1: he fixed the old one. Now he has to fix the hole and return the new thermostat that he bought. Also, I do just want to go on record saying... I very much said like we we can just hire someone to fix this. Josh was the one who was like I want to do this myself. I wasn't like
0: Well, it did like, seem easy enough. No, no. She's right. It did seem easy enough and I wanted to give myself the challenge. Just one little part I couldn't figure out. Stupid old AC unit couldn't find the C terminal to plug in my extra wire. If anybody out there knows what I'm talking about and knows how to do this, let me know before I return the the equipment and then maybe I can install the smart thermostat you know anyway okay maureen follow-up from last week we talked all about saturday night live we talked about how we didn't think it was that funny so we said (laughs) look we'll give it another shot we'll watch paul rudd on this week's episode maureen what were your thoughts
1: um it stunk
0: yeah it was bad. (laughs) paul rudd
1: wasn't bad but like the whole thing like the sketches just weren't funny i dare say this one was less funny than the one we watched before
0: yeah that and that Is saying something because i thought for sure it was going to be funnier with paul rudd but we watched half the show and then we turned it off i said no thank you and you're right it wasn't funny i don't know what happened i don't know if it was just a bad episode or you know for me
1: it's that like it's not that like the jokes aren't landing it's that the whole premise of the sketch isn't funny like one of them was about like people who had been time traveled into the future or into the past which is a
0: recurring sketch they do that is yeah you know, that Kate McKinnon character that Maureen's talking about in this sketch, which is, you know, like these three people from like rural America who get either abducted by aliens or this time they went through a time travel portal. That's a recurring sketch because Kate McKinnon's character is supposed to be extra funny there. It was it, it was, was weird. like
1: so unfunny. Her character was like making me. Un- I don't know. It was weird.
0: Yeah. So I guess our final verdict on Saturday Night Live at this point is not that funny. I mean, I'm sure we'll watch clips later when you know next year in its forty-fifth season. But I can't imagine we'll be tuning in regularly. Do you guys after like this.
1: it? If you are a Saturday Night Live fan, yeah. If you're a defender, reach out and tell us, tell us why.
0: Tell us why, please. Okay, let's jump into the snack bag. We just have a couple items here. The first one I want to do, and I want to do it in a non-spoiler way. But the TV show Game of Thrones wrapped up its eighth and final season this past weekend. Uh, you know, we did an entire marquee topic on this. I brought a good friend, Mike Wilbur, on to talk about Game of Thrones. But Maureen and I watched the final season. What did you think of how the show wrapped up?
1: I felt disappointed.
0: Did you feel like you invested all this time and that was how it ended?
1: Yeah, That's exactly what I said to you. I, I literally was like, I spent hours and hours and hours investing in these characters and watching the show and I just felt let down by the ending. Some people loved it. I just felt like it was a little bit careless. I feel like they broke some of the like truths that they had set up. About right. They the set way they... rules
0: for the universe, yeah. and then they broke those rules.
1: And I felt like it was rushed and hurried. And they were like, oh, well, we've only got a, a, six episodes or eight episodes or whatever it is. Like We, we got to finish this up, so I guess we'll do this. Like It didn't feel Which like- Which our
0: listeners might not know was the decision of the two showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss to only do seven episodes in the seventh season and then six episodes in the the eighth season. HBO said, look, we'll give you the money to do, you know, a full 10 episode season if you want. And they said, you know what, I think we're good. So that's been a common complaint about how rushed it all felt. And the creators of the show want to let you know that it was their decision. So it's been a couple days now since the finale. And the thing that I want to ask you is. I, I don't think you're going to go back and watch the series in its entirety ever. But if you're reflecting on the finale and the last season and sort of the messages that it presented in five or 10 years, do you think you'll think differently about it? No. You think you'll always feel the same? Like you, you won't go back and examine some of the things that happened and say, oh, yeah, OK, I can see why that makes more sense now. No. Oh, interesting.
1: I feel like I'm wa- I watched the show and I. It's more that it contradicts itself like they set up all these things that were like supposed to be important and they just didn't address them in the finale. This is not a spoiler but the whole premise of the show is that like basically no one is good and virtuous. You get like one character maybe and at the end they were trying to pretend like a whole bunch of people were and I was like that's not this that's not
0: that's not this show. All right, well, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones before, I guess what Maureen is saying is,
1: eh, maybe I not worth it. I have so many things to say about this, but I cannot say any of them without spoiling it for you Yeah, guys,
0: we, won't, so. we don't want to get into details in case you don't watch the show already. But, you know, my impression of the finale was it wasn't great, it wasn't terrible, it could have been a lot worse. I agree with your point about the show as a whole cut a lot of corners in the last two seasons, and I think that that is problematic in the way that the story was told. I think that if they had done the legwork to pay off some of these things better it wouldn't have felt so terrible in some senses so if you are in the middle of watching the show i would i would keep going if you've never watched a show i don't know it's probably not worth starting from scratch it's a lot of time to invest
1: i don't know if you like the fantasy like medieval type and you're okay with like gore i would I you was, think it's
0: enjoyable enough.
1: I feel like everyone who's in those categories already watches it. But if that's you and you haven't watched it, yeah, I think it's enjoyable enough. You might just be sad about the ending.
0: <laughs> so our second snack bag topic, we have talked a lot about James Holtower, the current Jeopardy! champion. As of the recording of this podcast, which is May 22nd, he won his 25th straight game. He's earned more than $1.8 million on the show. But the reason that I'm bringing him up this week on the podcast is because Tom Brady, who is the quarterback for the New England Patriots, decided, I guess, to come out on Instagram earlier this week and say, if this guy James loses on Jeopardy, he would eat a strawberry live on Instagram. Now, Like,
1: who cares? This is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But what
0: you need to know is that apparently Tom Brady has never eaten a strawberry
1: that is baloney so you need he to tell me a, when he was a baby or a toddler no one ever fed him a strawberry well, i don't think so. who
0: knows but apparently then i read a conflicting report that said he just doesn't like strawberries you know it got it got into the universe that it was part of his big diet plan that he doesn't eat strawberries Doesn't this just seem so silly like well, strawberries. i looked it
1: up but then i was looking up his diet because i was like well what is his diet he eats like vegetables and whole grains and, like, 20% lean meat and fish. And he rarely eats fruit. He allows himself a banana every once in a while in a smoothie. And if he wants a treat, he eats cacao, avocado, ice cream.
0: Wow. That's a sad life. You know, you would think you'd want to treat yourself to, like, a chocolate every so often. It's something
1: about, like, alkaline, alkalizing his body. Alkalinizing.
0: Well, look, he's he's doing pretty well for himself. (laughs) He is... In really great shape, and he's in his 40s, and he's been playing. Well, and Giselle,
1: his wife, also follows the same diet, apparently.
0: Well, they're doing really well. Do you think they make their kids do this, too? No,
1: it said in the article that their kids follow, like, a modified version, but they are allowed to have fruit.
0: Are they allowed to have white sugar?
1: I just, I don't think it's in their house.
0: Can you imagine their kids just, like, go to the store, and there's a candy bar, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. I've got to have that. I've never had one before. Well, you know what? When they live, outlive all of us, you know, maybe they did it right. But they probably didn't (laughs) have as much fun. They really missed out on
1: strawberry season, man.
0: Yeah. All right. Last snack bag topic. I saw this article today that Ellen the talk show host, comedian. Her show has been renewed for three more years. She will be on the air doing her talk show until 2022. I guess my first reaction to this was, was there really ever any doubt? I mean, she's getting a little bit older, but she makes a lot of money doing this. Also, and it she's seems like delightful, she's
1: delightful and people love her. Yeah, and it
0: seems like she's having a lot of fun. So were you surprised by this or were you just kind of like... No,
1: I was like, was she going to
0: stop? I guess she had flirted with the idea of retiring from the talk show biz. But it does seem like she has a lot of fun. And apparently now she owns a large stake in the show. So she gets more money. How she
1: didn't own it before is beyond me.
0: I mean, it does have her name on it. So I'm not surprised, but I'm also happy. I think she does a really nice job. And she's probably one of the only like talk show people that is always doing something that makes you feel good. You know, it's always like it's always good natured. And she's just a delight to have on TV. Before we jump into our marquee topic that Maureen, I think, is especially excited about this week.
1: Yeah, I think I subliminally gave Josh the idea. She
0: didn't. But let's hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. Do you ever listen to an episode of the Popcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try? Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the Popcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part, it's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, And they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast. And get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. For the marquee topic this week, we are doing a deep dive into music from 20 years ago, and specifically, we are looking at the Backstreet Boys album, Millennium, which came out in May of 1999, and whether or not that, along with albums from Britney Spears and NSYNC at the time, helped usher in a new era in the music industry, which was actually pretty devastating to the music industry itself. So here's a little bit of background and how the topic actually came about. The inspiration for this came from an article I read on The Ringer by Rob Harvilla that talks about the release of, at the time, the record-setting album from the Backstreet Boys, The 1999 Millennium. The album sold 1.13 million copies in its first week alone, which was topped a year later by Britney Spears and then later in 2000 by NSYNC, who sold 2.4 million copies of their album, No Strings Attached, in the first week. And remember, at this time, selling an album meant exactly that, which was selling a CD, a physical CD, for between $10 and $20 a pop. There was no way to buy a single at the time. There was no way to get just one or two songs if you liked one. And so many see these boy bands and pop stars and their massive one-hit wonders as one of the reasons why services like Napster were introduced, because it was easier to download a song illegally than it was to spend $15 to get a CD when you only wanted to listen to one song. So, Maureen, you are a noted Backstreet Boys fan. I don't know if our podcast audience knows it, but I, I certainly them. do. I love them. And I think 14 year old Maureen back in 1999 mm-hmm. was a super fan. Can we say that?
1: Yeah. And I was team Backstreet Boys. I liked NSYNC too, but it, at that time, all teenage girls had to pick a side, and I was team Backstreet Boys.
0: Okay. So can you talk a little bit about the hype surrounding? backstreet boys from your memory did you see them in concert did you buy their cds did you watch them on mtv's trl
1: yes yes and yes they were dreamy and their songs were great and you would hear them on the radio so i still have the millennium cd i mean today i asked alexa to play it because we don't have any cd players in the house but in my car i have it and i listen to it sometimes the you have same it in one in your that current I bought. car
0: i'm pretty sure it's in there yeah oh my gosh i didn't know this
1: i'm pretty sure that it's in anyway If it's not, it's in my CD pile of things that I... I used to listen to it, for sure, in my old car. I think in this car, too.
0: Okay, so Millennium had... Three it's a blue, hits.
1: it's blue with like black
0: It had three stuff. hits. I think the first three songs on the album...
1: What? It has so many more hits than that.
0: Okay, but to the mainstream audience... I took offense,
1: by the way, when you called Backstreet Boys a one-hit wonder.
0: Okay, that's not really what I meant, but I meant that there were songs that people just wanted one song off of an album. They didn't want the entire album. But the
1: whole album was good. There's obviously...
0: I want it that way. Yeah,
1: which is like one of my favorite songs of all time.
0: Larger Than Life. Yeah. Let's refocus here. Okay, so... I'm so excited. Okay, so...
1: And I saw them in concert. And I would come home from school. So I Want It That Way was like one of these like anthems. I felt the way – like similarly to how I felt about Leonardo DiCaprio, I felt about this song. It's like you were in love with them. And the, the in the music video, like the five of them are like so dreamy and ethereal and, and cute. And like as a 14-year-old girl, you like felt like you could date them in real life. I mean that's just not true. But so I would come home and I would record – TRL on VHS in my grandpa's bedroom. He had a like VHS player and I would put it in there and I would record it because they would play the music video. This was before DVR. This was before YouTube. Like you couldn't watch it unless it was on live TV. So I would record it onto video.
0: From my perspective, I heard the first three songs ad nauseum because they were on the radio, but I was not someone who could even sing you one note from any of these other songs. The other. I don't know, it looks like nine songs on the album. And so this is the interesting thing about this whole era of music. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation. Before we get into that, though, I wanna I wanted to ask you, are you surprised that the Backstreet Boys are still going strong today? No,
1: I wish I could see them in concert again.
0: I think they're doing a Las Vegas residency, or they did I've do I've had one. several
1: girlfriends we're all now in our 30s, go to this concert and think it was amazing.
0: Are they riding a wave of nostalgia that is eventually going to peter out? I mean, they're not going to be doing this when they're like 75 years old. I mean, maybe they'll try. but Maybe
1: they will. We'll still think they're dream boats because we'll be 75.
0: I mean, it would be weird to watch Backstreet Boys try to, because their whole thing was dancing and singing.
1: They still do it.
0: But when you're 75, you can't do that.
1: I mean, yeah. I I mean, I guess
0: you could. Remember that guy from the Six Flags commercials, that old guy? (laughs) Maybe it'll be like that.
1: I don't know. I still think their music is good. They still sound good singing it, and they're still dancing pretty well. So it's like cool and fun.
0: The main part of this conversation that I want to have, because you've you've done a really nice job of building up like what it was like to be a fan of Backstreet Boys. And I was sort of on the other side of that. I wasn't not a fan, like I liked the popular songs, but I didn't go out of my way to listen to the other ones. To equate it to something that I was into at the time, there was an album that Will Smith put out in 1999, I think. There was one song on there that was really popular around that time that I heard on the radio. And I went out of my way to buy the album to listen to that one song. But really, I just wanted that one song. Now, I I came to enjoy some of the other songs that were on that CD. But really, the reason that I bought it was because I heard this one song and I really wanted to listen to it over and over. And that was the only option at the time. So what I want to ask you and what this article touches on and what I want to discuss a little bit is, do you buy the argument that. Groups like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and other pop stars, people like Will Smith, with these big popular mass hits. Do you think that that helped usher in the era of illegal downloading? Or was it inevitable that something like that was going to happen because technology was changing?
1: Yeah, I just think it was the timing of it because... Uh, your Will Smith example, fine, but like Backstreet Boys and Christina Aguilera and NSYNC and Britney Spears I don't think fit into that category. I think people genuinely were super fans and wanted all of their songs. The idea when Napster came around and then LimeWire and all of those things... It was just that you could have any song you wanted for free.
0: Right, but but I think the difference is, is that they they were the first services that allowed you to download single songs. So if you wanted to hear Larger Than Life mm-hmm. but you didn't care about the rest of the songs on Millennium, then you could go I'm to something saying, like Napster. I think it was
1: more about getting it for free than it was about one song versus an album.
0: I think that yes, I think something like this would have eventually happened. I do think that this helped propel it though. To this article's point and to like the whole idea of did these pop stars introduce this era of wanting to just get one song and so services popped up that way. I I think I buy into that because late 80s, early 90s when, when CDs were really popular, you didn't have pop stars in the way that you had them in the late nineties.
1: You had Madonna, you had Michael Jackson. But
0: but these people were releasing albums that people wanted to buy the entire album That's of. That's only
1: because they didn't know any different. There was no other thing. It was an album. I guess. Like do what, you think people would have wanted to buy Queen's whole album? Or do you think they maybe just wanted Bohemian Rhapsody?
0: Well, I think that what people started to do and and the article talks about this too, the the article on The Ringer, is that Basically what was happening with these boy bands and people like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera is that they were getting songwriters to write songs that were meant to be like pop hits. So the lyrics weren't necessarily groundbreaking the you know like the music was meant to get into your ear and stay there. And I think that when you think about a group like Queen or uh, you know an artist like Michael Jackson or even Madonna I think that their whole thing was more like the artistry of the music as opposed to like the artistry of the performance. Does that make sense? So when it came along that something like Larger Than Life, which was a really poppy hit song that that you got in your ear and you were like, I could listen to that. I think that people started saying like, I want that, but I don't necessarily care about the rest of Backstreet Boys. I think what you're
1: referencing here is the Lou Pearlman effect. He was the mastermind who like created the boy bands and he like put together like the bad boy and like the hot one and there was always a weird one in the group and you know whatever but they did he went on to do the show making the band and when she was auditioning people O-Town. and he formed O Town and they had one hit but it was like that it was very formulaic and it was about the industry and about the marketing behind it. Right, and, I
0: think it was designed to sell albums because they to knew
1: sell albums or yes. to sell singles.
0: No, because look, he, Okay, so let's take O-Town for an example. This band that was created from this show, Making the Band, they had one hit. They put it on an album with 12 songs or whatever, and that was the only way to get the song. So if you wanted that one song that you loved, you had to go buy the whole album, even if you didn't care at all about the rest of O-Town. And I'll give you another example. I mentioned this on the podcast a couple weeks ago that my teaser was about the song All Star from Smash Mouth. Like, I love that song and I wanted that song. But in order to get that song in 1999, I had to get the whole CD, Astro Lounge. And I ended up enjoying some of the other music on it. But I didn't care about that. Like, All Star was the one that was on repeat. And so my argument and the argument that they're making in this, in this Ringer article is that these types of things help to usher in more quickly the advent of something like Napster. Because people, before it was legal with something like iTunes, where you could get a single for 99 cents people just became resourceful and said look if we have the technology and people only want one song then i'm gonna do that now i think your point about it being free we shouldn't overlook that because people want stuff for free if they can get it regardless of whether or not it's illegal but i kind of buy this argument
1: what you're basically saying is like we went into the 90s with like these pop icons who weren't singer songwriter artists they were just performers that's the real argument here
0: yeah and I think that that led to people buying albums and then being like, I don't really want this whole thing, and then having another option pop up like Napster or LimeWire, and then they say, this is a better option for me. I don't know if there is a causation, but there's definitely a correlation between Mm -hmm. like when these things happened and you know like when these bands and boy bands and pop stars came about and then the music industry going into a tailspin right after that
1: or is there no causation with that and maybe it's just the technology and that no matter who was quote unquote in power or in you know the limelight when this technology became available it would have happened anyway
0: it's interesting I, i just find this whole idea about the music industry fascinating all right should we move on to teasers
1: my teaser this week is a podcast. It's relatively new. It's called Work and Play with Nancy Ray. She has a photography business that's about 12 years old. Um, she also has three little children, and her podcast is all about balancing, you know, work and life, and she talks a lot about her faith in there too, and I find it really refreshing and motivating. Like, it's one of those podcasts that I can listen to and not feel like, oh my gosh, I have to change 10,000 things about my life, but more like okay i'm doing okay and like these are helpful hints for how to stay positive or be in the moment or whatever it may be she focuses a lot on simplification and contentment and being where you are which are all reminders that i generally need so if that sounds interesting to you check it out
0: is her last name really ray yes her husband is will
1: ray so her name works so perfectly nancy ray yeah.
0: Work and play with Nancy Ray.
1: I mean, I'm sure she picked it that we way. We need
0: a catchier name for our podcast.
1: Goldman, Schmoldman, Doldman.
0: Okay, never mind. We're gonna stick with the <laughs> we're gonna stick with the podcast. Okay, my teaser this week. I know that we spent the beginning of this podcast sort of poo pooing the end of Game of Thrones, but what Poo-poo, I will say Poo-poo. is that after each episode this season, I think one through five, they released on their YouTube channel this behind the scenes sort of like 30 minute documentary for each episode, essentially chronicling the amount of work that went into building these episodes. Now, regardless of whether the the story felt rushed or the writing wasn't good, the actual production quality of these episodes is off the charts. And it's, for me, as someone who really likes filmmaking and going behind the scenes, it's fascinating to watch the amount of people that are involved with making this show such a big event. And so if you're interested in that too... It's called Game Revealed. That's what the little episodes are called on YouTube. You just search the Game of Thrones YouTube channel, and I will link it in the show notes. It's absolutely worth checking out. Even if you're not a fan of the show, but you're interested in filmmaking or behind-the-scenes stuff, it's definitely worth checking out. Okay, I think that will do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com popcast. We would love to hear from you, and we would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com.
1: Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Okay, everyone. Welcome back. So as we jump into the marquee topic, I just want you to know that the inspiration for this topic came from today when Josh was napping and I was working from home and I wanted to listen to some music while I was getting some work done and I asked our Alexa to play Backstreet Boys Millennium and I was straight out jamming to it today. And Josh heard this in his sleep and this idea came to him.
0: That is not at all how this came about.
1: But that's actually what happened today. So when he showed me the outline, I was like flabbergasted.
0: I don't disagree that this happened but it did not influence the outline